My name is John Clark. I'm a licensed therapist, group practice owner, and a guide for therapists in private practice. I help therapists fill the empty slots on their calendar and build a better business without all the overwhelm. I'm so glad that you are here today. Do me a quick favor and rate, review, and subscribe to this show wherever you are listening. All right, let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode. Um, I'm excited to introduce my guest, Danielle Hayden, here in just a minute. But before I do that, I wanted to tell you guys um, that uh, something very special happens just twice a year on our end, and that's the opening of our Business Made Human Mastermind groups. Um, This is a weekly mastermind group where you meet with me and a group of like-minded therapists um, to to grow your practice. And uh, we meet every single week. Um, we have a group for solo practitioners and a group for group practice owners, so we'll put you in the respective group. Um, we cover a wide range of things, whether it's finances, marketing, creating passive income streams through online courses, memberships, things like that. Um, and I also hold a weekly office hours where you can come and get coaching from me um, uh, pretty much anytime you want um, uh, each week. So uh, the doors for that are opening. All you have to do is go to privatepracticeworkshop.com, click on Business Made Human down toward the bottom, and from there you can book a call with me and apply for the program. So uh, we just have a few slots opening this round. So if you're interested, definitely hop on that now. And I look forward to seeing you inside. All right. That being said, excited to introduce my guest today, Daniel Hayden. Uh, as a chief financial officer for over 10 years, though she loved accounting, but felt like something was missing while just helping investors and board of director, board of directors of large companies. That's when she realized she felt a certain thrill for helping entrepreneurs, especially women who were breaking the rules of business in order to create something amazing, something the rest of the world didn't expect them to do. If you've been, uh, you know, a fan of, of our show for a while, you know that we love talking about money. So um, pretty appropriate to have another money expert uh, join us today. So Danielle, thanks again for being here. How's it going? Oh, awesome. Thank you so much for having me here. And, um, you know, you you definitely speak my language um, with all the you know, KPIs and, and, and all the tracking of the information. Uh, I absolutely love it. And, um, you know, I just want to give a, a shout out to anyone who's who is thinking about doing a mastermind. Um, I I didn't understand the power of a mastermind until I did it a few years ago. And wow, um, it's, it's so transformative. So I'm um, just awesome. Big shout out to anyone. Thank you. Thanks about for that. that. And I, I didn't pay Danielle to say that. Although now no, you do, not. <laughs> you do not. Now I might pay her after the show. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, that's a topic in itself, but, um, the reality is like when you, when you surround yourself with people that are doing what you want to do and ideally people that are kind of, doing what the future you wants to do, you know, people that are two or three steps ahead of you. That's when I find that we really kind of step up our game. Um, on the other hand, sometimes we step down our game. You know, I used to play a good bit of tennis, for instance, and anytime I would play someone much better than me, I play a lot better, right? You kind of rise to their level Mm -hmm. and then same thing in the opposite direction, right? I'd play worse when there was someone worse than me. So life's like tennis, I guess. It is like tennis and, and like sports, you know, like any sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just, I, I say this all the time. Entrepreneurship can be super lonely. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're 
you know, you, either you're leading yourself and, or you're leading a team and that yeah. can be hard. And so I've always found having a group that I can bounce ideas off of and be strategic with, I'm um, just, you know, really set, set it apart for me. So yeah. love that. Especially in this new uh, environment for many people working remote permanently or, yeah. you know, we have the blessing and the freedom of virtual work and also comes with it the isolation or for business owners being at the top of their organizations, um, there's isolation in that even if you're surrounded by people in, in an office, right? Sometimes you're making decisions in isolation, right? So um, anyway, I'm, I'm curious to get into that, but also hear more about kind of how you got here and a bit more about your background and um, and then kind of how you help business owners now. Yeah. So, um, you know, you, you mentioned in the, in the intro, I was working as a CFO for um, a mid-sized business and um, I, I was having a blast. You know, I was, I was working with this management team, um, helping the investors, helping the board of directors, um, giving them all this financial information so that they can use that information to grow the business. And it was super fun watching them transform this business. Um, however, I, I kept on seeing business owners around me who were struggling and would ask me for help here or there. Hey, what do I think about doing this? I'm like, oh my God, every entrepreneur needs the same information that I'm giving them. And so I just, I went on a mission to bring all that, all that information that I learned um, working for those companies uh, to the entrepreneurship world so that I can really make a difference and really empower people and give them to the option to not make those decisions in isolation, right? Um, mm -hmm. Entrepreneurships or entrepreneurs, um, we have a heart, right? We're, we're, we're in this because we are really passionate about something. Um, we're maybe passionate about helping people. And when we start to do that, um, we realize, oh, wow, we have to run an entire business and we can't make business decisions from our heart. We have to make business decisions that are level set with data. Let's go into that a little more because it's interesting. I, I, I'd love to hear more your thoughts around the the relationship between, you know, um, a CFO and a CEO. And a lot of therapists listening, they're either a solo practitioner, or let's say a small group practice, and they're often not looking at their business like a big business, even though those principles are really helpful in figuring out what is the role of. CEO or who, whoever's at the top, right? In a lot of therapists, they uh, uh, just a starting point for them would be actually getting their numbers or having a profit and loss statement or a balance sheet on hand and then going, what the heck do I do with that, right? Or at minimum, maybe your bookkeeper provides that, but you look at it every month and you go, all right, I don't really know what's going on other than, you know, I made five grand this month, I think, yeah. right? So mm -hmm. what, what should that relationship be like and what does it look like in that kind of you know, a, a bigger setting. Yeah. So it's interesting. So in the bigger setting, um, you know, my job as the CFO, so chief financial officer was to take all of the data that my accounting team was entering into the system. So I don't care how big or small you are, you have to have strong foundations. You have to have a strong bookkeeping practice. So um, whether you have a bookkeeper or an accounting team, whatever it is, you have to have the information going into the system correctly. And then my job was to pull the system, all the information out of the system and to help make sense of it. Like what was working? What should we double down on? What the heck should we stop? Or why are we spending so much money? We're going to end up with a huge tax bill or whatever it might be. So it's the same principle for, for us as small business owners. So um, in my accounting practice now, um, we work with 
a ton of therapists. And so I, I understand and I hear this, right? So uh, we hear from a lot of people, it's just me. I, I don't need that. I'm not, I can't step into that role because I'm mm-hmm. also uh, the practitioner. But I encourage everyone, if you are a business owner, whether it's one business or you have a team of 10 people, 20 people, um, to take that time where you're removing yourself out of the doer role and you're, and you remove yourself and you become the observer and that is just putting on the CEO hat. So even yeah. if you're like, I'm not a CEO, a CEO, I want you to put on the CEO hat and take this time. Um, and this could look differently for every single business owner, depending on what you have in place today. Um, I encourage everyone to have a bookkeeper, um, and somebody who can help you interpret that data and then a tax account. Um, we do the first two steps for our clients, uh, but you do need somebody who can make sure the information's in right, because if it's not in right, you're not going to analyze the right things. But then if you're looking at it, you're like, what the heck does this even mean? <laughs> it's not going to do you any good. So you need that person to also help you read that, that information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I don't know why this will be my second sports analogy for the day. I promise I'm not that into sports, but that's okay. I love sports. (laughs) I have been telling some of our our therapists recently in our programs. um, Think of yourself instead of being like the quarterback on the field. This is a football analogy for any non-sports fans like my wife, who's like, "What's a quarterback?" You know, a lot of business owners operate as that quarterback on the field who is running every single play and so in the thick of it that they can't really see what's happening on the field, see what the other team is doing, et cetera. So thinking of yourself more like the coach on the sidelines who's calling the plays and you have maybe someone like a quarterback or you have these different players on the field who are doing different things, right? Operating in different parts of your business so that the, a lot of therapists, as they try to grow and scale, Number one, they have profitability issues because they grow and they take on more clinicians and then more overhead and then their profit margin instead of growing actually shrinks as they scale. Um, And then the other thing that happens is they are so obligated to their businesses that they are the ones doing everything. They're creating new programs. They're doing all the marketing. They're trying to do their bookkeeping. They're processing payroll. I've met therapists, group practice owners who have 25 employees and they're the one processing payroll every other Friday, even when they're on vacation. I've literally seen a therapist on vacation, like, you know, pressing the payroll button on gusto. And I'm like, this is a great way to not grow, you know, or to, to just cling on to control in every part of your your business. Right. And not really trust either your quarterback or whoever's on the field. Right. Yeah. Well, first of all, I freaking love that analogy. I, (laughs) I definitely see myself repeating that one. So um, I, I I really like that. Um, you, you, you do, you have to be the coach for the rest of your team. And, um, I think that as you, you, um, you scale is putting the people that you trust in place. Um, you know, I don't care what business you have. That that is that is key. Um, is is getting people in your team that you can trust to help you with those those initiatives? Mm-hmm. Because we all have our zone of genius, and we can't be everything to everyone. Um, and then the other thing I'll say here is, look, no shame. Like we we have a lot of therapists who will come to us and say, I'm I'm so unorganized, or I'm so deep into this, or I'm so overwhelmed that they that they let that become a barrier to ever getting help because they're scared to get help right because they feel like they're too big of a mess um and and so I just want to say 
there's no shame and there's no judgment in that. We have clients who come to us who, um, it doesn't matter how long you've been in business or how big you are, we've seen mm-hmm. it all. So I, I always like to say that because, um, I think that's important. I know that that there can be a lot of shame around money. And so when we work with people, we're like, let's let go of that. Because what's yeah. most important is that you get the help that you deserve. Yeah, I, I have been one to probably to spend a lot on financial services. And I continue to be, I, I will tell you even right now, with where I'm at, I have off the top of my head, um, a bookkeeper, I have two accountants, um, because we have we're set up in two different states. I have a profit first coach and I have a personal financial advisor. <laughs> you know, it's like I have all those people and sometimes when stuff's going on, they're all copied on an email because it's it all is, you know, intertwined, right? Or even the personal financial piece to me is really critical given that as business owners, you have a certain heightened level of risk um, or potentially variability in your income or how your your income is affecting your tax situation or your partner's income affecting your tax situation. So to me, it all has to kind of be integrated. But the money I've spent on financial help um, has always come come back to me. If nothing yeah. else, it helps me sleep better at night. Right? Knowing <laughs> yeah. what the you have, look like. You have the right team in place. I always mm-hmm. tell people uh, it's like a triangle, right? So I, I want everybody to have um, a bookkeeper slash um, financial interpreter, right? Uh, and then tax accountant and financial advisor. Um, those are the three pieces um, that is a requirement for every person. And, and you're right. Your financial advisor serves um, for you personally, but let's all be real. We're in business to serve our personal lives as well. Right. So Mm -hmm. they are as intertwined as it gets, because if your business is not doing well, you're not doing well personally. Yeah. Yeah. I also see, you know, we ask a couple questions when people apply to our programs, one meaning one being, uh, their, their annual gross revenue. And then another one being the money they actually take home. And we see tremendous discrepancies there, right? Again, I see very large group practices where the owner is making less than they ever made as a solo practitioner, you know, yeah. 150 a session. So <clears throat> there's a tremendous uh, amount of therapists, I think, who, again, as they grow and try to scale, their profit suffers tremendously. And they get into this like eternal carrot chasing of, just a little longer and then I'll start paying myself or just a little longer and I'll start paying myself more. Yeah. Right. And that's, you probably see that a good bit too, the kind of the psychological component. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And, and sometimes it's just also not knowing, right. We hear that, that question a lot is I want to pay myself. I, I, I see my gross income increasing, but I'm not really sure what my operating expenses are. I don't know if I'm safe to pay myself. How much do I pay myself? Am I an LLC or an S corp? How do I pay myself? So people kind of get in the spiral of not, not knowing what and how and when, um, there's, you know, everyone has this term of know your numbers. And I know that that can seem very vague, but that's part of it, right? If you know your numbers, then you can start to make those business decisions. So, um, you know, we're in April right now. And so a big conversation that we've been having with our clients over the last, um, three months is, should we become an S corp, right? So once we hit a certain net income level and we're taking home consistent owner's draws, uh, maybe it's time now to put ourselves um, as an S corp so that we can take home home payroll. And so that's a huge conversation that we're having. But if you don't have a bookkeeping process in place and you aren't looking at your financial statements on a regular basis, 
you miss the window, right? Because um, there are some IRS deadlines. And so you miss that, that window window for that. Mm-hmm. And then on a moving forward basis, as you continue to go through the, the rest of the year, how do you decide how much to take as that salary or that owner's draw? And by knowing your numbers, right, when your bookkeeper sends you that information and you get on the, uh, on a call with your uh, financial interpreter, um, you know, going through and being able to figure out how much money you need to keep in for operating expenses. Profit first is a great way to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the model we use and teach a lot of our therapists. Um, along the lines of going from LLC to S Corp in, in your um, your your organization, you know, getting on a W two salary for me was not only a, a critical step from for tax purposes, right? And then when I first became an S Corp, but even without that, I would say the psychological benefits were tremendous. And the reason is we are otherwise on this income roller coaster, you know, as business owners of, I would have a really great month and then a not so great month. And I'd be so focused on that, overly focused on that. Right. And, or even looking at a weekly basis or even a daily basis of like, yeah, I crushed it. I saw eight clients today and I'm seeing that number in my mind of how much I made. Right. And I'm feeling great. And then the next day, you know, seven out of eight clients cancel or something or, you know, whatever happens. And we get so tunnel vision on that. And so putting myself on a salary meant I could trust my business more and I could feel rewarded every two weeks, no matter what happened. And I did, I wasn't in this relationship with my business where it was always up and down. And I've had a bunch of therapists go through that process too. And even though it's scarier and your, your regular W2 salary might be less than you were taking as just owner draws, is really create for me creates a healthy relationship with my business and with money. And then I just take owner draws, you know, monthly or quarterly. And I can be very intentional about what to do with that money when I have a surplus versus every two weeks paying myself and, you know, to, uh, you know, some days I'm rich, other days I'm, I'm poor and it's all going downhill. Right. Yeah. And I have to make decisions with lump sums of money sometimes, which was a real problem for me early on um, to, to know what to do with that. Yeah. And I like that you talked about the mindset piece of that because, um, we, we talk about that a lot with our clients, you know, it, it can be scary to become an S corp. It can be scary to be a W2 of your, your uh, own business. But for anyone out there who's thinking, I can't take a regular salary. I want you to think about starting slow, right? Start taking something because burnout is real. (laughs) <laughs> it's a real thing. And I don't want you to become resentful of, of your business, which you're, do, you're doing amazing work. And I, and I want you to continue to be passionate about your business. I want you to be passionate about what you're doing. I want you to be on your mission, on your mission as a business owner. But in order to be able to do that, you have to like keep that fire inside. And if you're not taking home a paycheck and you're not being able to support your, your, personal life needs as well, you're, you're not going to get there. Um, so I think that that's a great balance of between, um, the mindset being important, the data being important and, and, and being able to overcome that. Totally. Yeah. It's, um, I had a thought, but I just lost it. Oh, well it's Monday. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious when you start working with therapists, um, like what are your first steps? If someone reaches out and says, Hey, Danielle, I need help with my money. Where, where, where do you start? And also how do you kind of diagnose, so to speak, where they need the most help? 
Yeah. So um, we have two scenarios. We have, um, they've been in QuickBooks or in accounting software, um, but maybe it's not up to date um, or they've been doing it on their own and it maybe is kind of up to date. Um, so the first step is if they already have a QuickBooks file, but it, they, they didn't even do anything with it. It's kind of funny because a lot of people in 2020 just never did their bookkeeping. It's like, <laughs> It's 2020 and this year's not working out. So I'm just going to do my bookkeeping. Um, so we're doing a lot of catch up work right now. Um, so that means we go back in time and we process all the transactions. We make sure everything is, is in QuickBooks um, and, we, and we restructure the income statement. Um, we go through account by account and make sure that it's tailored to you, the business owner. So not just to the industry, to you, the business owner. So because our goal is that when you're reviewing your financial statements that you understand it. So we go through this process with you. So um, most of our clients don't ever even log into QuickBooks. So um, we do all the legwork, but we walk you through the process of, all right, how do we want to see these numbers? Um, how often do we want to see these numbers? So if you already have a QuickBooks, we'll restructure everything, make sure it's, it's tailored to you, do that catch up work, and then sit, take a step back. Then we we get on a, like a Zoom call with our clients and say, all right, here's where you're at today. Here's what happened in 2020. Let's go line by line. Let's figure out what worked. Let's figure out where you're mm -hmm. losing money and spending money. And since we're at the end of the first quarter, we'll also do that exercise for 2021. Compare how we're doing from prior year. Compare how we're doing to our goals um, so that we can go into the next month with intentionality. And then for anybody who doesn't have an accounting system set up, um, we simply set it up for you. You know, that people are like, oh, but I don't have anything in place. You don't need anything in place. Um, if When you have the right team, um, you just you call and ask for help. And we get everything we, everything set up for our clients, get that profit uh, and loss statement put in place, and make sure that we have the right systems in place to get through the year. So when you're looking at, let's say, a current month compared to previous months, what are you looking at in terms of what's happening in the business and how are you helping, you know, clients interpret those results? So I think that there's, um, there's two, um, reports, um, and, and both of them are standard in QuickBooks. So if you have QuickBooks, you can run both these reports on your own. Um, compared to prior year is a huge one for me. This one, I think it can be really motivating. Um, you can, you can get a lot of insight from it. So, where am I making money, right? Where where is my money coming from? You won't get this from QuickBooks, but if you have the information, if you can get back to your marketing efforts, you can even see, all right, where did those clients come from? So depending on how much information you're tracking, can go back a few steps uh, into that process. But just taking it from QuickBooks forward, you can look at um, what months were really well for me. Like what months um, did I see a surplus? Um, if I have a few years within my um, accounting system, can I go back a few years and see trends? Maybe every July drops off. Actually, most of our, our therapists will be here. Summer, summer's a dip. So how do I start to prepare for that seasonality? Or um, I see a huge surge in September every year. So how do I make sure I'm staffed correctly for that surge? So go back in time, see, see that seasonality. Um, I really like to see where I'm spending money compared to prior years. Um, and you can also run uh, the profit and loss statement for the last 12 months, and that will help you see like trends. You know, um, I hired somebody the month, 
the months after I hired them, did that reflect in my sales, my profit, my efficiency? Um, how are those things working out for me? And then this is a super fun one. Our clients really like this. Um, it's called percent of sales. And um, when you can look at your spending as a percent of your sales, we had a client recently that said, holy crap, I am spending, uh, I think it was 28% of my gross sales on operating subscriptions. Uh, she's like, why? What <laughs> What are you doing with them? And so we could go line by line and decide which one is creating a fish. They're so easy to get started and they yes! all offer a free trial. Yes. <laughs> and I need a fancy new tool every month. I do too. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I think that that's a that's a huge one, right? So none of us are alone in that one because it's just easy to sign up for. And um, but you know, I, I always ask business owners. Is it creating efficiency? Is it bettering the client experience? Or did you buy it because it looked cool? Your neighbor next door was doing it. Somebody posted it on social media. Why do we have it? Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, yeah, I think, again, this is what happens is we just kind of, we eyeball it and we see that we're making more money and then we start spending more money. It's the same, yeah. again, your personal finances. You go, well, I just got a raise, so I'm going to get a new car. And it's, again, if you think about your own kind of wealth accumulation, this is why a lot of people, um, as they start making more money, they they historically start spending more money and then they've got to make more to keep up with it, right? I mean, it's kind of the, the crux of the American dream is yeah. kind of making it, but then... And the more money you make, the more it's going, um, going out the door and your, your own kind of, uh, standard of living goes, goes through the roof. And so again, to me, it's more about profit, both on the business side and in the personal side. Um, it's also about why, you know, the, the, this is, oh, this is probably what I was, I forgot earlier is I, I ask a lot of therapists, you know, in that intake form, I was mentioning, um, what, what is their income goal? How much money do you want to make? what's stopping you from getting there. But most importantly, why do you want to make that amount? Yeah. And I can't tell you how many therapists say an arbitrary number. And I asked them a little bit more about it. How'd you get that number? And they have no freaking clue. I don't know. Sounds good. Sounds like a lot. It's more than I was making before. It was more than I was making at an agency. Right. I heard a therapist, you know, in my yeah. area is making this much. It's unbelievable. And I would say, I was susceptible to that at some point in my journey as an entrepreneur and at one point had multiple businesses running at a time. And, um, now I've narrowed it down to just two. So I'm on my best behavior, but uh, there was a time where I had much more and money was kind of my only target, right? It was like my only guidepost for, for everything I was doing. And that's really short sighted, right? Because it's just one metric, right? Or if you look at all your kind of KPIs in life, yeah, I was doing really well in that one area, but what about all the other areas? So what I've realized is I'm actually very happy to make a bit less money than I used to make because of the lifestyle my business affords me and the simplicity of it. And I try to organize my days around tasks where I can have the most impact and that give me the most meaning, right? So I'm, I'm actually very happy to, to make less and have a business that I'm more happy with. That's more simple. That requires less employees. You know, I don't want a big company with 10, 20, 30 employees. And again, I'll ask group practice owners how big they want to grow. And they'll say 20 therapists and I'll say why. And they're like, I don't know. Cause I saw someone else do it, you know, or yeah. again, if like, if it's 200 K a year, why, what, how's that going to meaningfully change your life? And in a lot of, you know, instances, they can't really 
they can't really figure that out. They don't even know what money they're spending in their personal life anyway. They just want more. And again, that's that eternal carrot of just a little bit more. There's some, there's some quote out there of like, was it Henry Ford or something? And it was like, how much, how much money do you want to make? Or what's your goal? And he said, just a little bit more. (laughs) I gotta find that one. Um, you know, so, so two things I want to mention there. Um, you know, we, we talked about as you start making more money and as you grow and you hire more people, yes, your, your profit margin, uh, might decrease, but it's, it's a conversation that we have quite frequently with our clients. Is that the goal? You know, do you want to have team members running the practice for you? So as you start to grow to five, 10, 15 team members, um, if you want to be able to have a lifestyle business that allows you to, um, not work 65 hours a week and um, be able to maybe go play tennis or um, do any other activity other than run a business, bringing in the right staff members to help you manage that and and knowing what what the goal is and um, and then and then getting the help you need. So if you're going to have 20 um, practitioners, you should not be the person doing the marketing. You should not be the person doing the website updates. You should not be doing the bookkeeping, right? So it's it's getting help in all of those other places so that you can focus on, you know, if, you're, if your passion is actually leading and running a team, then amazing. I want you to live in that, that zone of genius. I want you to, like, if that's making you happy, then I want you to live there, but I want you to get help in all the other areas so that you can live in where you're really happy. The other thing, you know, we we were talking about a little bit ago about just, you know, as you, as you make more and spending more, I think it's okay to spend more if it's done with a goal. Uh, I, I, I've told this story a lot, but I think it's really important. Um, we had a client who came to us and said, look, you're going to tell me all year long that I'm taking a home a loss and that's okay. It's intentional. She's yeah. like, I am going to double down on everything running Facebook ads. I'm redoing my website. I'm going to every networking event in town. I, uh, this is pre-COVID. Um, I'm, I'm going to a bunch of conferences. Uh, she created her own networking group here in Cleveland and, and put a ton of money in, in building that, that brand and that market. And then at the end of the year, she said, why I was doing that was to see what worked and what didn't work. Now this year, I'm going to be so profitable because I'm only doing what worked. And so she scaled down her spending and she was able to only go to the conferences that she enjoyed and do the networking events that served mm-hmm. her. And we watched her, we get really profitable in year two and take home a salary and buy a house. And she bought a mm-hmm. house and took her kids on vacation the following year. It was really important. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I don't mind that model at all. It's basically the startup model. Um, the, the beauty is that a private practice is one of the cheapest businesses in the world to create. When you compare it to, say, a restaurant, right? My wife and I are really into watching Top Chef right now. It's like yeah, very it's guilty pleasure. And it's we're watching so much. It's unbelievable. And a lot of them, they need money to get started, right? And they need a lot of money. Um, everything from a, a, a restaurant to lease, uh, to furnish, you, you know, the equipment is incredibly expensive. You need uniforms for the, the staff. You're paying staff before you've made a dollar. So you have, you start your business with these massive, massive loans, potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Um, a private practice is just so darn simple and, uh, kind of lean to use that, that, that term. Um, 
the in reality, especially with our virtual practice, I mean, you need a computer and you need a way to accept payments and like a Zoom account or a free VC account or whatever it's going to be to see clients. So, um, and, and even beyond that, the biggest expense for most therapists is an office space if they have it, a physical office space. So uh, I just think therapists are notoriously um, kind of, I have money issues. We have We have money issues, which are deeper issues around issues of worth, around society not valuing our services the same way that that we or insurance companies value uh, a chiropractor or my dentist who makes, you know, $400 per 30 minute, you know, session or whatever, teeth cleaning. Um, But anyway, you know, for therapists to just go, if I invested $5,000 or something into my business in the first year or in the first quarter to get it off the ground, that's then going to make me 60, 80, 90, 150 K a year for the rest of my life. Like that's a pretty good ROI. Um, but business owners have a hard time seeing it. Right. And they just get really stuck. They're splitting hairs. They're trying to spend only $60 a month on a website or whatever they can get away with. And your business really suffers. So I, I am, you know, especially early on, very, kind of investment heavy in my own businesses because I know they're going to keep growing. I know it's a good investment. So in a perfect world, I keep paying myself uh, a salary I'm really happy with and works for me and my family. And also I'm investing a good chunk of money back into the business all the time. Yeah, I I, I love that. And I, I think um, you're right. And um, in the mindset issues um, and, and being, you know, air quote bad with money um, because Yep. It's scary and it's hard. Um, I, I had a client recently told me, she goes, every time you send me my financials, I feel like I'm getting like my report card. She's like, yeah, it, exactly. it, <laughs> yeah. She's like, it takes me back to third grade. And I'm like, okay, how do we reframe this? Right? Like <laughs> how do we frame the, yep. the report card feeling to, um, it just, it's it telling you what's working really well. So let's stop thinking about what's not working and what's working really well. And I love that. How do we reinvest back into our business? Right. Um, how do we, how do we make sure that it continues to grow and continues to serve us and and not taking everything out of it that we possibly can? Yeah, it's interesting. Again, the issues of worth are huge. And as little children, we are graded from a very early age, right. And get your first report card, even if it's like, you know, squares and triangles and you're like, Oh, I got a triangle. I'm a good, I'm a good boy or not. <laughs> you know, in my case, I was not, I never got triangles or stars or whatever you were supposed to get. Um, and then that report card, you know, just carries with you until the day you graduate college. And then your report card gets replaced with your salary, right? If you get a regular job or as in the case of a business owner who again, tends to be very hypercritical of themselves, that's your new report card is your profit and loss. If you even dare to look at it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You know, but you know, you make a good point. Um, this is, this is a very low investment, um, to start this business. And, um, if you have, if you have the right, uh, systems in place to be able to monitor that, um, and to help you understand that and help you understand industry trends. So that's one thing that we've been working on with a lot of our clients is not just, I don't want to call it benchmarking against each other, but being able to see where we're similar and where we're close, right? Are we spending way over industry trends and and salary? Are we taking home an industry trend? Are we, if we have facility space, are we going, like, do we have 
top-notch office space or are we spending what's an industry and location average? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that there's some comfort in that. And so, um, you know, just one more reason to have an accounting system and know your numbers and review that information is also be, to be able to um, compare that and, and regulate that towards um, around what other therapists are spending. I'm not saying go spend more because other therapists mm -hmm. are spending more. I just, I want, I want you to understand the numbers and how they can help you, um, help you understand how, like yeah. how well your business is doing. Right. Cause maybe it's yeah, doing totally. freaking great. <laughs> totally. That that's, that's interesting too. Right. We, we compare ourselves to others, uh, usually in the negative, right? In that, again, there's always someone doing more than me or making more than me or whatever. Um, comparison is a thief of joy, right? It's um, It can also be inspiring to look at how, how much further along you are. Again, I see some group practice owners who are not making a profit at all, right? And have, again, been in this grind for years. And then I see some that are making like a uh, you know, they're maybe making 60 K a year or something. Um, and they don't see all the, the other group practice owners who are doing much worse. They only see the ones that are doing much better, or at least uh, on Instagram or whatever are, appear to be doing much better. So I also just like to compare myself to where I was, you know, I'm my own kind of measuring stick in that regard. Right. And that I look back to where I was a few years ago. I look back to when I started my career and it was making 40 grand a year and driving Uber and Lyft on nights and weekends. You know, I was, I was living in a uninsulated shack in Oakland, you know, for, for a long time. Um, cause that's all I could afford, you know, it was 800 bucks a month. And, you know, I need to look back at that pretty often to see where I've come, where I've come from, you know, and how mm -hmm. far I've gone. And you also just need to learn to be happy with what you have while still staying motivated to, to want more or to do more. But, you know, I have like, I have a couple purpose statements that I look at, um, every day. I'll just share them at the risk of total vulnerability, but this has helped me, you know? Um, so I have like a planning tool that I use every day to figure out what I need to work on. I have a vision kind of board, and then I have these two purpose statements. So one is kind of what I'm doing and it says I'm helping a small group of business owners reach their maximum potential. That's what I do here. And then the other kind of affirmation is uh, I'm doing enough to help enough people um, to make enough money and I have all that I need. So I create kind of my own measurement of success, right? And then I have even more elaborate versions of this where I talk about my why and it's to make X amount per year, working 25 hours a week so that I can do X, Y, and Z, spend more time with my daughter. I can surf, I can make music, I can give back, you know, through a nonprofit that I work with. So I have these things, right, that are part of my report card, you know, and they're a lot more qualitative than, than what we're used to, right? And just measuring myself on, let's say, salary alone, um, that would just be very short-sighted for looking at the bigger picture of my life and how my business is really enhancing my life instead of ruining it. Yeah, I, I love that you are so in tune with that. Um, when I started this business seven years ago, um, I was so data focused, you know, my accountant, right? I was very data focused. Um, and I, you know, everything was about benchmarking, profit and loss statement over years. And um, over the years, um, hearing more and more about your why and what are the things you want to accomplish in your life and and what you want your business to accomplish and 
all the mindset pieces that go into that have really mm-hmm. transformed me as a person. Um, and so I'll, I'll share some of mine if that's okay with you. Of course. I don't have mine as ironed out. I, I do have a vision board that sits up above my desk over here. Um, but uh, every morning um, I, I, I do have a, a planner called the Profit Planner and I use my own Profit Planner. So it, it, is, a, it is a book I wrote that's focused on, on financials. However, um, every single day I refocus on my goal and my goal is to serve entrepreneurs. I want to be able to take my expertise and be a resource to um, entrepreneurs because I believe that entrepreneurs are what's going to make a difference in our world and our society and in our kids and transform their confidence. I just think that the reasons trickle down all the way to our kids, our nieces and nephews, um, and, and it, it can make such an impact. So if I can give entrepreneurs that confidence and that that courage, mm-hmm. I really think that we can change the world through entrepreneurship. Um, but my mission is to serve others and that makes it less about the money. So if I didn't sign a client today, that's okay, right? Mm-hmm. I was able to serve all of my other clients and continue on that mission. Um, and then I'm with you. I, you know, I, I want to be able to, um, when my kids come home from school, I want to be able to be here with them. And, yeah. and I want to know, um, you know, my son put a thing of mac and cheese in the microwave the other day and he forgot to put the water in it. And thank God I heard to smell the smoke. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> yeah. Good reason yeah. to be home. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yep. then have those personal interests, you know, like, um, uh, you, um, you mentioned surfing. Um, I'm really into doing Spartan races. They're, um, obstacle mud runs and, and, and training mm-hmm. for different events and stuff. And, and so, you know, learning how much time and energy I want to put in my, in my business so that I can do those, those other things, um, yeah. has helped me because you can feel guilty no matter what, like mm-hmm. when I check clock out for the end of the day, I have to tell myself it's okay, that there's still a to-do list, right? Those tax tests, um, were not mm-hmm. my top three tasks that needed to be done. I completed my top three tasks that needed to be done and I'm allowed to be done because I'm allowed to be able to serve the rest of my life. That part is huge. I mean, the, the correlation between entrepreneurship and workaholism is tremendous, yeah, <laughs> very is. highly correlated and therapists not being able to let go at the end of the day or shut the computer down or not check your damn email at the dinner table or on nights, weekends, whatever it is. It's a real problem. Um, and fundamentally it's also a, it's either a deep issue, again, issues of worth, there's there's sometimes very psychological or historical roots of it. Other times it's a fear and it's a lack of trusting your business, right? It basically, if I don't grind all the time, if I don't answer some client's email at 9.30 p.m., then what, right? Then my business is going to crumble. They're going to you know, go to the competition, whatever it's going to be. You know, It's usually a fear-based thing that keeps people working too much and clinging so tightly, right? Or they're avoiding something in their life. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, or like a boredom. I check my email. Yeah, all the time I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm not gonna go on Instagram. I'll go on my email because yeah. it's productive. <laughs> yeah, I'll do something productive, right? And and what's interesting, you know, I I told a client the other day, her homework was actually to spend more time walking on the beach by herself without her phone. And when we think about value, who's to say that that's not going to produce even more value for her business and her group practice? than sitting and grinding at her desk and checking emails and, you know, doing projects for her therapist or whatever, right? Versus um, stepping back, reflecting, zooming out, working on the vision of her business. Um, 
I was take, I was taking a run this weekend and I wasn't thinking about my business at all. And a problem that I had been stuck on for two and a half weeks got solved in my head. Yep. Just hit yep. me. And this is the power of the unconscious. I was just running and running and running. And then boom, I got the solution to this problem that's been plaguing me for weeks. And then I know if Monday morning, I'm going to execute that solution, right? I'm going to tag the right person and say, hey, I figured this out, right? Without trying. Um, sometimes we have to do that. I would say a lot of times we have to do that. Oh, we have to do that. My, my, uh, best places are, um, you know, on the trails with my golden retriever because I, you know, I've, I've, Mm -hmm. I'm a podcast lover. And so I always want to be listening to podcasts, but lately I've been making myself, I I say for at least half of your run or hike today, you have to be in silence because you're right. It gives your, your mind a chance to, um, think about those things. And I always come back with a notes list of, of thoughts and ideas. And also it gives your team some time to figure it out on this, uh, on their own. Um, as I have promoted a few people on my team, um, to manage other team members. And I told them you're never to answer somebody's question right away. You are required to give them 90 minutes, ask them, have you, have you looked into your resources? And then give them 90 minutes and do not respond because you need to give people a chance to, to solve their own problems and yeah, trusting huge. in themselves and trusting mm-hmm. in their, in the team, in them as team members. And so that's, it's hard, but that's mm-hmm. something that we've been working on as a, as a team. Yeah. Yeah. It's about, you know, assigning the outcome versus just the task or being, having a bunch of team members who just go fetch tasks for you, but ultimately you're the only one with the vision or the idea of where this is going. It's a really great way to never grow or to never have your teammates grow and, and own their role. Um, we we got to wrap up here in a second, but um, for anyone watching live, if you do have questions about anything we've talked about, about your finances, your profit and loss, mission, vision, values is kind of where we've landed here at the end. By all means, ask those. Um, we're, for those of you listening to the podcast, we're also here live on YouTube, which is a fun uh, a fun little feature for me lately. So, um, so we'll, we'll hang around just a second here. If anyone has questions, go ahead and, and ask them here. Otherwise, uh, I'm hoping you guys have gotten a lot out of this. I, I know that I have, um, Danielle, maybe start to, you know, let people know any, any other thoughts or any other, like just couple snippets of advice that you have for therapists, given your work with them. And then maybe you can close this out with just how they can get in touch with you and, and learn more about how you help. Yeah, absolutely. And go ahead and interrupt me if, if anybody pops in with a question. This this is super fun. I'm I'm really liking this live thing. I, um, this this is cool. Um, so I, th- this has been great. I and I even love this where this conversation has landed. Um, we have been working hard um, building a lot of team culture, and um, our exercise that we just did at our last team meeting was. Um, our value statement. And I wanted everybody to be able to weigh in on their, on the core values. And it was really interesting. I had a set to start and then we did this team exercise where everyone had a conversation and we, we, we contributed together and we landed like this close from what I had at the beginning. And so that was really huge for us and really impactful. And, and what that means is that not only am I excited to serve entrepreneurs, but the whole team is excited to serve and the whole team is excited about what, what we do. So if you haven't done that with your team, um, it felt really vulnerable for me and it was really hard to sit back and, and be quiet and watch this. But if you have a team or it's just yourself, take that time to do that exercise because it, it really makes um, it really makes a difference in, in, in um, seeing your mission through. 
Um, any you know closing comments for therapists? You know, we work with a lot of therapists, and um, you know, don't stand in your own way, right? Like that's that's a big thing. Is um, money mindset is real? Mindset is real. Um, it can feel shaming. It can feel embarrassing. It can, you know, all those, those other, um, negative emotions around that. Uh, but you're not alone. Uh, I'm telling you, you're not alone. You are not the only one. Um, and nobody's judging you. I know that I, you know, I feel judged all the time that, you know, we have tons of clients who feel judged all the time. When we work with people, we are not coming from a place of judgment. So, um, you know, Take, take the hand um, that's that's trying to help you up um, because um, there are people who, are, who want to help. Yeah, we're all figuring it out. There's a lot of therapists that want like the magic wand or they want to feel totally competent in all areas of their business. And if you are wanting that feeling, you're never going to really get it because it's being a business owner is really about growth and kind of constant growth and learning and evolution. So yeah, we, we cling to wanting control and predictability, but there's some degree of just growth and discomfort in all of this. So yeah, I think that's well said. Um, well, Danielle, this has been, this has been great. Thank you again for being here. Um, lots of very applicable stuff for therapists. And, um, and then again, just how can people um, get in touch with you and, um, and learn more? Yeah. Come, come check out our website, um, kickstartaccounting.com. Um, you can book a, um, a discovery call right there. If you're interested in hearing more, um, kickstartedcountyinc.com. I'm sorry. I'm going to correct myself. Um, inc.com. Um, you can book a discovery call. Uh, you'll talk to me directly. So, um, no high pressure sales, sales techniques. Um, just curious to learning more, um, come hang out with us on Instagram. I'm a huge fan of Instagram. Um, we're, I'm doing a lot right now. I'm putting out tips and tricks and numbers to look at. And um, you can see lots of pictures of Lily, my golden, um, mm -hmm. and us hiking all the time. So um, come hang out on Instagram. I'd love to hear more about your businesses and how I can be a resource uh, for all of you. Cool. Awesome. Danielle, thanks again. It's been a lot of fun and I'd love to have you back sometime. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thanks. Cheers. <laughs>